Hey everyone, it's Alec, here to remind you to check the trigger warnings before today's episode. You can find that along with our transcript and all the other goodies in the description down below. Have a safe listen and see you on the other side. Mythale presents Circe's Episode 22, Alone. Today's session will be case file 37425382-22. It was written down on the 10th of July, 2022 by Gary Padillas. This session will be recorded on the 20th of March, 2023 by Elias Emanuel Short, therapist in training at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. I've always loved my personal space. While my friends would hoard together almost every day to visit one another for a few hours of video gaming or to watch some new movie that had caught their interest, I would much rather spend my time alone in my room falling down some new YouTube rabbit hole. At a young age, I had taken an interest in watching true crime and horror stories when the sun had gone down, leaving my room in complete darkness except for the faint light from my monitor. I've often wished I was a more social person. It's not that I don't enjoy the company of others, I just seem to shy away at the thought of having to be vulnerable with others. I always saw myself as someone who is best in small portions. I don't know why that is the idea I have of myself, in spite of the amount of times my friends have tried to convince me that that really isn't the case at all. They love me the way that I am, yet I struggle to believe that. So, I guess you can only blame my lonely nights on myself. I often wonder what would have happened if I hadn't turned out this way. Maybe I would have lived a fulfilling life that didn't involve the loneliness I feel within this facility. I could have gone on to become a better man one that didn't wave his hand in disinterest when he was invited to join his friends for a night out or a game of Uno over a beer. However, I never got the chance to become that man, and I have regretted it ever since. Do not pity my sorry state. I have made my own bed, and now it's time for me to lie in it. And even if the bed may never allow me to truly rest my weary eye, The discomfort of it will never be what I had wished for it to be. Not everyone is lucky enough to sample their bets correctly, and I have been one of the unlucky few. I will save you my wallowing in self-pity and explain it to you. I lived in a flat in Roskilde. It wasn't much, but the small space made it seem homier than a bigger apartment ever could. The walls made me feel safe, like a hook from a loving mother. My room had been filled up with memories I had collected throughout the years, despite me rarely leaving the confined space of my apartment. 
It was in the space I believed that no one would ever be able to get me. My mind like an innocent child, unaware of the danger that lurked in the world beyond my doorstep. There was nothing unusual about the night I first felt like I wasn't alone in my home. I had felt tired after escaping my desk at work, deciding on watching some of the old horror movie classics I still own on VHS. There was something about the old tapes that filled me with a sense of comfort, despite the low resolution. It had a charm that DVDs and streaming services never seemed to have. While watching one such movie, I started to feel sleepy, my eyes fighting the urge to fall limp and let my brain enter a peaceful slumber. That was when the dread spread throughout me. My once tired eyes flickered open as I scanned my room intently, keeping an eye out for whatever had caused the chill that traveled down my spine. My room was only lit by the low light from my TV screen, which didn't allow me much visibility. In the corner behind it, I could sense the outline of a tall, slender figure, staring intently at me from behind the light. My breath hitched in my throat as I rubbed my eyes frantically before staring back at the corner. My eyes adjusted to the darkness, only to see the collection of sweatshirts I had hung over a hook in the corner. I let out a quiet laugh at allowing myself to be paranoid enough to fall for that. I caught my own eyes in the mirror hung on my door, rubbing my face, whispering to myself what a dumbass I can be at times. I was simply in an odd mood because of all the horror movies I'd been watching, and now I was trying to convince myself that I was seeing things that weren't there. I sighed and looked at my face through the space between my fingers. My body froze. There in the mirror behind me were two wide eyes. I turned around, only to see the spot behind me was empty. I spun again, my eyes once again back on the mirror. Now the spot behind me was vacant once more. I cursed at myself. It was clear I was just starting to doze off. My body felt heavy as I pulled myself up into a sitting position on the side of my bed. I grunted to myself. I must have really waited too long if my body felt this heavy when I moved. I was out of breath just walking to the bathroom. I didn't see it as too odd. I cannot explain why that didn't send off some serious alarm bells in my head, but I went about my night tucking myself in like I would any other night. Despite a wrongness I couldn't explain, sleep took a hold of me almost the second my head met the pillow. I first started to get confused as I woke up the next few mornings with the same heaviness in my body, almost as if someone had wrapped my body tightly in a weighted blanket. I was exhausted by the end of the day and started eating more in an attempt to end my exhausted state. Nothing seemed to work. The second I got home from work, I would fall over on my bed and be out like a light. I went to the doctor just five days later, explaining the strange feeling I was experiencing to her. 
She seemed rather perplexed, since none of my tests seems to indicate that anything was wrong with me. I felt like a dreadful hot potato as I was thrown from specialist to specialist, stuffed with any medication they promised would be a cure, yet it didn't change my body's state of dismay. I didn't mention it to my doctor when the whispers started. When my eyes would open throughout the night as a raspy feminine voice would start to whisper into my ear. It was so close, I could feel the breath against my neck. I didn't understand it at first. The words were too mumbled and blended together into sharp air, but as the days passed me by, I started to understand that the sharp air had shapes. Take me home. The phrase was repeated over and over. Take me home. But where is home? I knew mine was here, or it used to be, before that thing came and decided to take up residence here, in a home that it didn't like and it didn't want. So why here? If it had a home, why not there? No one could help me. I did stop to think about my belated father, who had passed away just two years before. He had struggled with schizophrenia for four years and lost the battle just before my 20th birthday. I was sure it had become my turn now. I thought I must have been developing it and now we just had to wait until I couldn't stand the voices anymore, until the shadows would start to choke me out. I stopped leaving my apartment. I was horrified by the world around me. If I had indeed started my own battle with schizophrenia, then there was no saying what was lurking beyond my front door, and I wasn't going to take the chance. I already felt watched within the confines of my own home, but out there, the eyes came from everywhere. I felt marked. Here's the part where you're going to toss this aside and get a hold of my therapist. Go right ahead. I just need to write this down somewhere, and I'm already aware that I will never be leaving this place again. The pain in my back had gotten worse. The aching took up most of my thoughts in my waking hours. I made the decision to try to look at my back in the mirror, as if that would somehow change the aching of my muscles. I pulled my shirt off and held up a small mirror to get a full glimpse of the skin. No words can describe the gut-wrenching feeling that watched over me upon seeing my back in the mirror. I was covered in bruises. Fingernail-like marks on the top of my shoulders, like someone had been holding on to me for dear life. Two deep purple marks had been placed on my lower back. I felt a breath against the back of my neck. I couldn't flee. I just let my panicked tears stream down my cheeks, making my face red and damp. What happened to me? I had given up on the doctors long ago, knowing full well that no matter how many tests they would run, they would never come to a conclusion. I touched the spots on my shoulders where the nail marks were placed, wanting to assure myself that I wasn't just seeing things again. 
but the blood that coated my fingers as I pulled them back told me all that I needed to know. I stared at myself in the dimly lit bathroom mirror. A touch upon my skin made my breath hitch, the air getting trapped in the back of my throat. A slender, white finger reached around my neck, caressing over my Adam's apple in slow motion. Take me home. I heard the whisper against the nape of my neck, black hair draping over my shoulder before the milky white eyes stared back at me. It grinned. The mouth was unnaturally big. It didn't stand behind me. The being was wrapped around my back, digging her sharp nails into my shoulders. I screamed. And she was gone. I could still feel the heaviness on my shoulders, but it was nowhere to be seen. I didn't get any sleep that night, or the one after that. Whenever I looked in the mirror, no matter when, I would catch a glimpse of its unnatural, curled-up frame latched onto my back. I was never alone. The being latched onto me like a parasite. It wanted me to take it home. That's why I came here. It woke me up at night, screaming and yelling for me to take it home. I couldn't help but cry. But lonely nights were no longer lonely. And I would much rather have kept it that way than listen to its scream in my ear. I finally managed to take it home, but not of my own accord. I suffered what the doctors called a manic episode which landed me here for observation. The heaviness on my back has lessened. Once I entered the walls of this place, the voice by my ear leaned in so close, its lips almost touching my ear as it whispered, It is coming for us all, and there is nothing you can do to stop us. The weight on my body shifted, and I could finally stand up straight. The tears that streamed out my face did nothing to console me. Happiness should have washed over me once it left, yet I didn't feel happy. It feels at home here, and I'm terribly scared of what that means for everyone here. It visits me, crawling up on its spot on my back, opening the wounds in my skin. It whispers in my ears at night, all about what's to come. Its slender hands are on my throat as it whispers. I see it in my mirror, and I know that no matter what I do, it has chosen me. And I am never getting rid of this weight on my shoulders. I must agree with Mr. Padillas. If his family already has a history of schizophrenia, it seems he must have inherited it from his father, as unfortunate as it must be. Yet it worries me that he mentions the lightness he experienced once he entered the mental facility. 
I could chalk it up to being a placebo effect, since this place has been promised to help him get better. But why wouldn't that work with his later experiences with the being he says hangs onto his back? It all seems a little strange to me. I'll see if any of the staff can run some more tests so we can get a better understanding of what is the matter. Any further files will be added at a later date. I uh, finally found a time to read the letter you mentioned. Oh yeah. Anything in particular that jumped out at you? Not really. Um, Luke never gave us more than some spooky name, and I think it's merely a coincidence. You know, I want to believe that, but part of me just isn't sure. Listen, I know you're worried, Elias, but you might be drawing connections that aren't there. Let's take a step back and try to see the bigger picture. Let's entertain the thought that you might be right. Even so, what are the odds of two patients mentioning the exact same alias? I know it's almost unlikely, but I don't like thinking about the other option. Luke is most likely just trying to shake us up. I thought you were friends with everyone. <laughs> I know. It's so unlike me. <laughs> but he just really is in my cup of tea. <laughs> Somehow you finding Luke, of all people, unsettling makes you a little more tolerable. I know, right? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Come on now. We have a job to do. You wouldn't me, Elias. So Cease is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. This episode featured Alexander Bauna as Elias Short, Henry Johannesson as Cairo Timor. It's audio edited by Henry Johannesson and El Sadi. Manuscript edited by Rita Bauna and Kim Heola. And written by Alexander F. Bauna. Like what we do? Tell your friends and loved ones about our show, or support us on our Ko-fi by buying some art or donating whatever you feel comfortable with. Want to get to know us? You can follow us on social media or join our public Discord server. All the links are down below. Next week's episode will be a little unusual, as it will not in fact be episode 23, it will be a holiday special. We will be back with our usual schedule on the 31st of December with episode 23. But until then, I hope you're ready for a little surprise next week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>